Welcome to this copyrighted broadcast of Light Lit. I'm your host, David Levin. In this episode, we're reading from the novel Promise, Part 1, Chapter 3. The bus ride to school on Monday was long. To deal with the boredom, I replayed several of Promise's songs in my mind, reliving some of the emotions the band had created in me. It made me feel better. The bus jerked to a stop in front of the school, and as I waited for the other students to exit, I said under my breath, Shit, the junior bitches are there, ready to make fun of us bus riders again. Ben Thomas, one of the school geeks, must have heard me. Ignore them, Mary, he said. They're selfish and materialistic, but so what? Just tell them how wonderful they are, or better yet, avoid them, and they'll leave you alone. You need to chill out and stop being so sensitive about what they think. Without looking at him, I said, easy for you to say. They don't pick on you, not like they do me. They used to, before my psychology class, he responded. I was puzzled. What did your psychology class do to help? He whispered, as though telling some secret. I learned not to stimulate them. You know not give them a reason to turn on me. Avoidance is best, but praise may also work. Try it. You will save yourself a lot of grief. Besides, you know you can't beat them. Look at poor Cheryl Moss. They drove her off the cheerleader squad to another school. She developed too much anxiety, turned to a psychosis, and then to depression. Too much psychology, Ben. I heard she just wanted to go to a private school, someplace smaller than Woodway. His thick glasses glinted in the morning sun. In her senior year? No way. It was depression. I'm sure the bitches caused it by organizing all their cliquish activities and leaving her out, like some outcast. And their mothers put pressure on the cheerleader sponsor to criticize her for her weight and clothes. I'm telling you it was all a conspiracy to open up a place on the squad for one of their friends. Climbing down the bus steps, looking straight ahead, I thought about taking his advice, but I could feel the junior bitches mocking stares, bringing my blood to a slow boil. Maybe I wanted to fight to give them back a little of what they dished out. It seemed more than fair. I made a beeline for the school newspaper room, my regular hangout before school started. Being a reporter for the paper was fun and looked good on my college applications, but it also created that problem Ben Thomas noted. It made me stand out. That could make other kids jealous, the cool kids, the always smiling cheerleaders, the tough acting jocks, and those super kids with the pushy parents who made sure everything was perfect for their little jerks. Many of the pretty or athletic or popular kids seemed to get their jollies making fun of the rest of us. I couldn't help it that I was red-haired and chubby, but I supposed clownish looks just weren't cool these days, especially with so many beautiful people on television and in the movies all the time. Gosh, were there really people with such perfect teeth? The newspaper room seemed peaceful. I breathed deeply and forced my thoughts to change. 
beginning to think about the concert. Agnes Grunfeld, another nerd friend, walked up, leaned toward me with a cupped hand over her mouth and whispered, Well, what did you think about it? Were they as good as you really had imagined? She stopped, raised her eyebrows, and said, I was blown away. You? Me too. Yeah, they were incredible. Better than the magazines and papers ever described. And those glossy pictures don't really show their great looks. Gosh, Tam is so beautiful. I responded, paying only slight attention to my chubby soulmate. She carefully looked over her shoulder. Oh, man. The junior bitches just passed by. They glanced through the door and rolled their eyes. I hate Tiffany and Paige. They make me feel so self-conscious. They're probably not satisfied with just tormenting us. Bet they'd love to scratch our eyes out if they could get away with it. But they would probably get caught and punished and not be able to cheer at the games. And that would be tragic. Agnes made a goofy face which she did particularly well with her drama training, and we laughed quietly. We co-chubs often found strength together, a kind of support group for the terminally ordinary. The bell rang, and I ran to my first class, history, across the school, barely making it before the tardy bell rang. I quickly sat beside Lizzie, just getting settled in. Ladies, if you are ready for class, we can continue through the Civil War, Mr. Johnson said, looking directly at us. Lizzie quickly sat up, and I looked around, only to feel my blood run cold. The most major junior bitch of all, Alexis Poston, was smiling at me. I felt her smirk, and my mind flashed pictures of Alexis, posing cutely in her head cheerleader's uniform. In a graduation gown holding an award reading number one ranked student in the senior class, smiling that Miss Perfect smile as her mother, the meanest, most hateful mother in the world, beamed in the background. Then the mental picture changed to Mrs. Poston, happily chatting with the principal, natural for her since she almost ruled the school making sure she had a hand in everything Alexis did, cheerleading, pep rallies, grade conferences with teachers, even lunch. I began to feel sick, knowing that if she thought you were a threat to her precious daughter, she would find a way to hurt you in some way, from leaning on a school sponsor to bar you from an extracurricular activity, or pressuring the principal to punish you, or spreading hateful rumors, or just being nasty to your face. And suddenly, I had the feeling that she had made Alexis into her image, a little monster who was just as selfish and hateful as her mother. But then I began to have other mental images. Mrs. Poston's friends in crime, the other overbearing parents, particularly the woman's best friend, Mrs. Hall, mother of the basketball stud everyone was supposed to worship. After Sherman had taken Atlanta, the bell rang, and Lizzie and I headed for separate classes. I stopped at my locker to exchange books, history for chemistry. Alexis Poston was leaning against her locker, flirting with two boys. They were jocks, starters on the basketball team, Toby Hall, whom everyone expected to get a major college basketball scholarship, 
seemed to have the edge in her shallow affections. As she giggled and pushed him away, I shouldn't have looked in their direction. Bad move. Really stupid. Alexis saw me. Oh, hi, Mary. Any love letters from that little band you hang with? What's its name? I forgot. Her suitors began to laugh and shake their heads. Raising my self-consciousness, I looked at her over my glasses. I'm just a fan, like a lot of people. Probably the nuttiest fan on the planet. You seem to know everything about them, and for what? It's not like they know you're alive or even care, or ever will. What's the point of all that wasted energy? You should focus on yourself more. From your appearance, you could use more effort. Alexis could be so totally hurtful. Toby began to laugh before cocking his head and looking at me with an expression that contorted his face. Say, Mary, got a date to the dance? I heard Cameron here is looking for a date. Maybe he'll ask you if one of those promise guys doesn't ask you first. Cameron feels a tanned, sandy-haired, confident pretty boy who was likely to be prom king punched Toby in the arm. Shut up. That makes me sick. Nobody wants to take her to anything. Besides, you know I'm taking Paige. Cameron turned to me. Anyhow, I bet one of those promised guys really will ask you. I'd go home and wait by the phone if I were you. No telling when it will ring, and you could do a few sit-ups while you wait. The three laughed loudly, their glee interrupted by the bell for the next class. I ran for chemistry. Finally, Morning classes were over and it was time for lunch. I raced to the cafeteria and sat down at my usual table waiting for Lizzie to join me. I opened my sack and smiled. Grandma had packed a tuna sandwich, my favorite, some pickles and an apple. But where were the chips? I reacted out loud. What the heck? Where are my potato chips? Heck, Grandma is on that health kick again. You shouldn't really have chips. Not good for your condition. I wheeled around to face the rude person who had made that comment, only to go limp at the sight of Alexis, Paige, and Tiffany. Alexis held out a hand toward me, flashing her gold and diamond tennis bracelet. We're only looking out for you, dear. Lord knows you need some help with your appearance. How are you ever going to get a date if you don't take more pride in how you look? Zitz! Frizzy hair and fat aren't really in these days. Maybe an appearance consultant would help. I wanted to crawl in my locker. I really don't care about getting a date in high school. That's not important to me right now. The girls laughed and made assorted faces. Tiffany Malloy, a cheerleader and daughter of the owner of a local car dealership, stopped the antics. Yeah, I'll bet, she mocked, pursing her lips. They walked off huddled together in one of their usual conspiracies. Paige Richelieu, the homecoming queen, girl voted most beautiful the last two years, and daughter of a lawyer, glanced back, over, glanced back once to laugh, then turned away and exaggerated the sway of her hips in expensive-looking jeans. Lizzie came running to the table. You aren't going to believe this, Mary, but I just heard that the Houston News has us ranked third in the state preseason basketball poll. Seems they think Toby and Cameron are going to be great this year. 
That will give you a lot to write about for the paper, you doing all of the sports articles. I was still rummaging through my lunch sack, hoping there were chips somewhere. That's nice, I said, not listening closely. Lizzie looked squarely at me. Well, don't you care? I mean, wouldn't it be great to have a winning team for a change? Then her expression changed. Maybe we can even get to the finals. You and I could go to Austin for the championship and check out some of those college guys and maybe even get invited to a party. Wouldn't that be fun? I stopped and turned to her. Look, Lizzie, that all sounds great, I guess. But right now I have this potato chip crisis to deal with and I'm not handling it very well. My head is kind of messed up over it. I turned to the lunch bag again, hoping to find the chips trying to hide from me and ready to crunch their helpless little bodies. Lizzie asked, you mean avoiding them? No, eating the tasty suckers. Lizzie sat straight up in her chair. Oh, I see. Can I help? Only if you have 50 cents to loan me. She shrugged. Sorry, I'm broke. I shrugged back. Shit. I hate being poor.